we'd like to welcome you back to the fourth and final part of our current event and weekly Bible study for March 31st, 2013. Last part is an email I received from a listener um, entitled Beltane, Easter, Passover, Halloween, and the Months of Kidnappings. He starts out by saying, I wanted to... I wanted to look this up a while back, but I finally got around to it recently. As you know, the number of kidnappings slash missing persons in the U.S. gets um, U.S. gets in the 2000 to 2006 range per day. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. 2,000 to 2,600 people range every day. Did you know that? 2,000 to 2,600 people are kidnapped or go missing every day in America. Okay, now this is what they're admitting to. I don't really know what the real statistics are. 90% or so of them are children. So I wanted to take a look at these stats to see if there was a correlation between satanic holy days and these disappearances. Since we may not know the sacrifice of people, especially children, since we know that the sacrifice of people, especially children, is prevalent among high-level occultists. What I found, according to FBI statistics is that in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, and 2012, the highest number of kidnappings always occurs in May. May 1st is May Day, is also known as Beltane, or the worship of Baal. Beltane is Bel, Baal, which starts the night of April 30th with the kidnapping of victims. Okay, those missing victims would not be reported until May 1st or later, most likely explaining the high number reported in May. Not surprisingly, the number of victims varies by month. Four months of the year always have the majority of kidnappings. May, March, April, and October, which is what we're going into. We're already into March. Um, these are satanic holidays which have historically involved murdering of children as part of their ritual. Easter, or Ishtar, Halloween... Beltane, and unfortunately Passover. I wasn't quite aware of all the stuff on Passover. Okay, because again, anything that God may have initially instituted, Satan is going to try to corrupt it. Now, I'm not saying that for the satanic holidays, like Ishtar and Halloween. Okay, but Passover has biblical basis in in the, you know, Jewish, Israelite, um, Levitical type of religion. April, as a month, gathers so many victims because it sometimes is the month in which Easter falls, and because it is a preparation month for Beltane on May 1st. But it is also houses Passover. In Kabbalistic tradition, now remember, the Kabbalah, or Kabbalism, is the highest form of, you could say, Jewish-Israelite witchcraft. Okay, you have the Talmud, which is beyond blasphemous, which is like the, the step before the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah is hardcore, high-level witchcraft. Okay, and in the Kabbalistic tradition, killing a child and mixing its blood in the unleavened Passover bread is quite common. These are not real Israelites doing this. Now, who would they be? Well, Jesus Christ said. You call yourselves Jews, but you're not. You are of your. You are of the synagogue of Satan. Okay, the Bible refers to that in Revelation. So they call themselves Jews, but they're really not. They're 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 pure evil. Okay, not to say Jews are like perfect or something or anything like that or like John Hagee teaches, where ethnic salvation just because they're Jews they're saved. 
Okay, but I'm talking about high-level occultists here that would say, oh, we're, we're like true Israelites. Okay, these are not real Israelites doing this. It is their twisted twin brother who believe God demands a re-sacrifice of the children of Egypt during the Passover. That's some, that's some gross stuff. But think about it from a Kabbalistic witchcraft. I can see somebody buying into that, you know, from a satanic standpoint. There is another factor which makes the number of kidnappings vary between either March or April. Easter's date changes every year. Why? Because it's determined by astrology. You know, I've went into this before. I, you can see my teaching on Ishtar. I think I give you the link here. It has to be determined through astrology. It's like the second Sunday after Ostara, which is all determined through astrology. Okay? Um, if, you know, if Ishtar was truly the date of Jesus Christ's resurrection, how could it change? It'd be like a birth date. It would never change. Okay? Easy enough to, to prove just from that standpoint. Easter's date changes every year as, as, it, as it is a lunar holiday follows the cycle of the moon, just like uh, Ishtar and Isis, the goddesses. The number of kidnappings by month actually correlates with the placement of Easter every year. Huh. Yeah, because they have to have human sacrifice and preferably children. The younger, the better. I think the, the ultimate sacrifice they say is like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby boy. It's like the most prized human sacrifice. Anyway, the number of kidnappings by month actually correlates with the placement of Easter in each year. Oh, well, it makes sense from a satanic standpoint. For example, in 2007 was an early April. Um, Easter, I'm sorry, in 2007, Easter was an early April. So the majority of kidnappings occurred in March. And indeed, March had more kidnappings in 2007 than in April. In 2008, Easter fell in late March. So the number of kidnappings in February was more than usual by about 6,000 people. Um, uh, let's see here. In 2011, um, Easter fell in late April. So March had the fewest number of kidnappings of the four months. So Because it was in late April. So anyway, he's correlating all this stuff. So here, I give you my link to my teaching called Ishtar, Easter Ishtar Paganism Repackaged. I'm just going to read you the description. In this teaching, we will be focusing on the history of Easter, exploring its disturbing, undeniable pagan roots. To be objective, I have endeavored to garner input from not only Christian sources, but also Catholic and pagan sources as well. As you will see, that all three sides are in agreement as to Easter's pagan origin in history. We will explore exactly when the holiday of Easter was incorporated into the Roman Catholic Church at the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD, whereby this practice then started to permeate and leaven many other branches of Christianity. A further note, we will prove how the date of Easter is always determined by the biblically forbidden practice of astrology, and how its date changes every year as a result. If this were the true date of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how could it change? We will also be looking at Easter's close ties to pagan, the pagan goddess known as Ishtar, and the specific associations and practices of Easter, like the Easter Bunny. I mean, this was all in the Bible. The Easter Bunny, you know, colored eggs, Lent, 
Ash Wednesday, Hot Cross Buns, one of my favorites, Spring Break, The Easter Ham, Wicker Easter Baskets, Ishtar, I mean Easter Sunrise Service, Mardi Gras, etc. All of these are pagan to the core traditions. Like the Bible says, the traditions of men have made the word of God of none effect. Very great example with Ishtar. Lastly, we will explore why only the King James Bible version translates the Greek word Pascha to Easter instead of Passover only in Acts 12.4. And how this is one of the more and how this is one more proof of the superiority of the authorized King James Version. It's proof of the superiority. The reason there is such a wide range, going back to the main article, the reason why there is such a wide range of kidnappings in the period for Easter is because it is a predicted by the 40-day Lenten or Lent period, which sacrifices are made to Tammuz, one for each year of his life. Nimrod was supposedly Tammuz's dad. Okay? Nimrod, who was the mighty hunter. Supposedly, Tammuz was like the reincarnation of Nimrod. Okay? It's a pretty gross story how he was actually born. I'm not going to get into that. It's not really appropriate. But, Semiramis was his mom. Tammuz came along. And Tammuz wasn't near as good of a hunter as his good old dad Nimrod, and he was actually gored by a boar, supposedly at the age of 40, on a hunting expedition, Tammuz. So this is why we sell the, we celebrate, the Catholics celebrate, the 40-day Lenten, or Lent period. This is where you collect all the lint in your pockets, and you get it into a big ball after the 40 days, and you worship it. No, just kidding, I just made that up. Anyway, so, 40-day Lent period. 40 days, one day for each day of Tammuz's life before he was gored by the bull. This is why they eat the ham at the end of the Lenten period, the Easter ham, to like basically get back at the pig or the boar that gored Tammuz. This is why they eat the Easter ham. Okay, this is just one example of the paganism surrounding Lent and Ishtar. It is totally evil and pagan to the core. We shouldn't have anything to do with it but exposing it. Other than Easter bunnies, because they're really cute. Especially when people dress up as Easter bunnies. And you give them hugs and stuff and get pictures with them. Sorry, just kidding. Teasing. Anyway, so... Easter uh, is... is, uh, The kidnapping period for Easter is because... Is a predicted by the forty-day Lenten period in which sacrifices are actually made to Tammuz, one for each year of his life. Now, I did a teaching not too long ago, and I gave you the link to the teaching, and it's um, it was last year. But one of the parts is Lent, Easter, Ishtar, and Ostara exposed, and then the origins of Lent, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Ash Wednesday, and Easter. And then Baptists unbiblically adopting the Catholic holidays of Lent. And then Houston pastor asked, asked, asked church members to get tattoos for Lent. Now that's a, church, that's a pastor I want to shake his hand. Because I think we all need to get tattoos for Lent. To show the Catholic Church and apostate Christianity how unholy we are. I think we should just get them all in mass. 
Even though I've done a teaching exposing how wicked and evil tattoos are, and basically if you get them, you're, you know, you're adopting a demon or a devil to come and possess you. Other than that, there's really no red flags. So going forward here, 40 days of sacrificing your children to venerate and worship Tammuz, who is literally the false Jesus Christ. Where have we heard Tammuz before? Oh, Saturnalia. Oh, you mean Xmas? Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Christmas was originally celebrated as the holiday Saturnalia. Saturnalia was and is the birth date of the sun god, not the son of God, but the sun god Tammuz. See, the Catholics realgamated it and said, no, no, it's the birth date of the son of God, S-O-N, not the sun god, but the son of God, Jesus Christ. And we'll put that veneer on it and the pagans can come into our temples and worship it as the day they know a Saturnalia to the sun god and the pseudo-Christians will come in who are deceived and deluded and maybe not know any better will worship it as the son of God, Jesus Christ. And this is just one of the ways the Catholic Church has defiled, defiled true Bible-believing Christianity through their traditions of men and their pagan activities through, human, through the ages. This is just one of the more wicked, evil things that they've done. That's what Xmas is all about. The sun god. So, he goes on to say, look at this, Ishtar or Isis, this, this is a quote from an occult source, Ishtar or Isis, descent to the underworld is her death, and the end of fertility on earth. Her return to the upper world is her resurrection. Now, when would she be returning to the upper world? Well, I believe in the Ishtar time period. Okay, she's the fertility goddess. She is going to be the goddess that, that you know, brings forth fertility in the ground the, the plants are going to bear see they give the devil the credit for like the leaves coming out and planting crops and crops growing and food being you know that's who pagans give credit to not the god of the bible not the lord jesus christ no 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 we got to give it to like ishtar or whoever anyway her return to the upper world is her resurrection the return of life on earth but Renewed life can be purchased only at the price of another's death. In this case, her consort, Tammuz. See, remember, Tammuz died and they have the 40-day Lenten period of mourning leading up to Ishtar or Easter. Yeah. Herein lies the logic of ritual, even human sacrifice. See, this is how they're using it to justify. Because Tammuz died in this period, as a sacrifice so that Semiramis or Ishtar or Isis or whoever, whatever goddess they're going to name it, can spring forth. The only way that can happen is the death of, of, of someone. And Tammuz was our first, our first example. And now we need to have human sacrifice to follow in Tammuz's footsteps. Herein lies the increase in abductions that are going on. I guarantee you, I, I bet you Smiley Joel Osteen is preaching the same teaching at his megachurch in Texas right now. I just, you know, it's a stab in the dark, but I think it might be the case. Anyway, um, going forward here, what Powell points out here is that sacrifices are made to bring Tammuz back. 40 days of waiting for Tammuz 
to return results in 40 different sacrifices. 40 different children, most likely, preferably. This is what's going on behind closed doors from an occult standpoint all over the world. We just don't know about it. Now, granted, I'm not saying a garden variety, you know, pagan is doing this. But the people at the high levels are. You better believe it. October. October will always have a large number of kidnappings due to Halloween. It is a high sabbat in witchcraft and draws a lot of attention in the world as a playful holiday for kids and most of the kidnappings that occur in in October are near the end of October. Uh, Here's my teaching entitled Halloween, Human Sacrifice, Stonehenge, and the Wicker Man. Another lighthearted teaching. Um, In this teaching, we will be taking an exhaustive, shocking look at virtually all the traditions of Halloween modern-day humanity currently embraces. Halloween is not just innocent entertainment. Its symbols and practices breathe new life into the dark rituals and symbols of past civilizations. Satan's main strategy has always been to tempt people to love what God hates, prompt them to pursue his enticing path, and deceive them into thinking that this new way is a good way. Since his strategies don't change, God's warning in Proverbs 14.12 is as relevant now as it was in King Solomon's day. There is, a, um, yeah, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In other words, Halloween seems right, but what are the ends of Halloween? The end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 state the same thing. Most people follow the masses. And the masses follow the media, especially when it promotes thrills and adventures that feed the lust for forbidden thrills. The occult has always focused on gory images of violence, death, and destruction. We see it in today's media, music, and movies. As people become desensitized to occult violence and horror, the images in popular entertainment grow increasingly and indescribably evil. Yet, this is old news. Thousands of years ago, God warned us in Proverbs 8.36, all those that ha- who hate me love death. So going back to the main article, the next couple of months that fall into the top six, as far as abductions, kidnappings, are June and September. Um, every single year. June is not only the summer solstice, but it's also the gay month. Uh, with massive numbers of gay-related parades and parties, Walt Disney World being one of them, they have their gay day then. Now, I'm, I'm not making that up, they really do. Where they're, they're going around doing all kind of really sick, disgusting, debauched things in the presence of the unknowing people that have brought their kids there that day that didn't get the memo that they were having gay day. And they do it on purpose. They do it on purpose, these sick devils. I've done studies on that as well. Anyway, um... Statistically, about 30% of homosexuals are also pedophiles. It's, it's overwhelming, the number of homosexuals that are actually pedophiles, of little boys in particular. You know, wow, well, they're already demon-possessed to start with. I mean, it's not, one, not a big stretch to then step over the line into pedophilia. <laughs> That's why. September has the Feast of Nativity in the Roman Catholic religion and is a little more literal than I would like to think. Um, meaning that they're actually feasting on possibly small children. It is a very important day in the Beast Church, and the sacrifice of children on it is not not outside the realm of possibility. But more likely, it is the autumn equinox in which witches sacrifice children to Apollo and other various gods. 
Below is my summary of the stats and the links to the raw statistics, so you can check them out for yourself. That's what I like about this. He's really done his homework here. Um, I would like also to note that the majority of sacrificing children does not happen on satanic holidays. It happens every day in your local abortion clinic. Wow, now that's a sobering thought. Yeah, it does. I believe that because there is so many sacrifices going on in the abortion clinic, and the church has abdicated its role of fighting that wickedness, for the most part, that God is allowing all of these other things to occur, because it's part of his judgment. When the church goes apathetic, then God's like, okay, we'll let the Satanists have their way. I'm not saying they're having their way with every Christian, but obviously this is a huge problem that we're talking about here. Also, the church doesn't know about it to even pray against it. They, I mean, do you think that the, the average pastors warning their congregation about this stuff going on? Well, if we don't know about it, how do we ever know not to pray about it? We're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. We can be destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, this is another reason I try to get the word out. So people can pray about these things. It's the most important reason, really. Um, aborting a baby is most often is carried out by a practicing witch. That's true. The sacrifice defiles this land, the, uh, this country, and this people. Please always consider how horrible of an institution this is. Oh, I've considered it. <laughs> I've done many teachings, and a dedicated teaching here called Massacre of Innocence, the Occult Roots of Abortion. I'm, I'm going to read you the description here. In this teaching, we will be looking at a, the occult roots of abortion with, little, with a little known facts about abortion and how they relate to witchcraft in modern day feminism. Patricia Baird Wendell, founder and owner of Aware Woman Center for Choice, a.k.a. Abortion Clinic, was quoted saying, quote, You practice your religion, meaning us Christians, and let me practice mine. My religion is holy, ritual, child sacrifice. How could a woman get away with saying this? Why wouldn't she be taken in for, for questioning, saying, What did you mean by this statement, ma'am? Uh, you're sacrificing children? You've admitted to it. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean that. I, I meant it, I was doing it symbolically. Yeah, you're a liar. Oh, no, no, she's allowed to, to practice her religion the way she wants to. How is she allowed to practice her religion and not, well, abortion clinics? It's really one of the only places in America where you can go where it's wholesale murder on a uh, just gigantic scale every day and it's all legal and people have to pay for them to murder their babies. Where else could you go to commit mass murder like that on a daily basis against totally innocent children, babies? Hmm. On August 4th, 1992, two employees of Aware Woman Abortion Clinic, Veronica Jordan and Rebecca Morris, registered a nonprofit religious corporation known as the Wicca Religious Cooperation of Florida. Wicca, r white witchcraft, okay. That's what Wicca stands for. The stated purpose of this organization is to provide an umbrella organization for witch covens throughout the state of Florida. Okay. The incorporation papers list the two abortion clinic employees as directors of the Wiccan incorporation. Well, this way they could practice their witchcraft, their Wicca. They sacrifice these, these, these babies to whoever, Artemis, Chemosh, Moloch, Lilith, Aphrodite, um, I know I'm missing a few, but there's 
different fallen angels that these people sacrifice to that are more prevalent for child sacrifice. It's like Satan has his army and different ones specialize in different things. Um, this is a way a witch can practice their religion by working at or owning an abortion clinic and make money and sacrifice all these children. I guarantee you these witches are seriously powerful. If they're able to offer this many sacrifices up to Satan, they're gaining power with those sacrifices. Okay? Um, again, something to really, really pray against in, in pray God destroy these devilish, evil, you know, uh, buildings of death. Shortly after the Wiccan Religious Cooperation Cooperative of Florida was founded by those two women, Carol Edeberg, another aware women abortion clinic, uh, procured the book entitled The Sacrament of Abortion by Gwinnett Paris, who is a witch in France, who presents abortion as a, quote, sacred act, a, quote, sacrifice to Artemis, the fallen angel Artemis. In this teaching, we will also endeavor to show you how the struggle against this horrific, horrific act is primarily a spiritual one, because we don't ever want to lose sight of that. Throughout history, certain pagan cultures have sacrificed human infants to satanic deities as part of a complicated, complicated ritual in return for favors asked of them. Of course, that's why they do it. Usually, it's usually financial. So sickening. It's, just, it's incomprehensible. While few of those involved in abortion today are consciously engaging in child sacrifice, that is precisely what abortion is. The sacrifice of a... And the, and the witches doing the abortions or having involvement in it or, or occultists, they know it is. Oh, they know... Um, the sacrifice of a human life on the altar of convenience or to the God of self. Now, he gives a whole bunch of um, year and most number of kidnappings sorted by month from 2007 all the way up to 2012. You can look at those if you like. And then he also has the links to the FBI site for 2007 to 2012 so you can verify the information. Now, last report here is entitled Good Thursday or Good Friday. The Thursday before Easter is, is called Maudie Thursday by really mostly, I think, Catholic, Orthodox, and um, some pseudo-Christian organizations, uh, denominations. Uh, Catholic, Orthodox, and Christian tradition states that it was on this day, well, not true Christian, but pseudo, was on this day that Christ ate his last supper. Okay? Uh, Maudie Thursday. Um, he ate his last supper, the Passover, which his disciples, before going to the Garden of Gethsemane, were, he was arrested. Tradition has it that he was crucified on the following day, a Friday. What if tradition has it wrong? Oh, they do. What if the timing of the events of the Holy Week is clear through Tuesday? While the timing of the events of the Holy Week is clear through Tuesday, the timing of the events that followed is not. I don't really believe that. I, I think that that's really not the case, as we're going to prove. In fact, there is strong evidence presented by the respected Bible scholars that the Last Supper occurred on Wednesday, not Thursday, and that in Christ was, in fact, crucified on Thursday, not Friday. We're going to prove why this is the case. Okay? I mean, it's, it's simple. It's not hard. It's like the study I did on the Shroud of Turin to debunk that. It's really not hard. Okay, if Jesus had been crucified on Friday, just think about this. And immediately put in the tomb. He would have not remained there for three days and three nights, as was prophesied before he was resurrected on Sunday. 
He'd be into Monday. Well, the Bible says he was he rose on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. Okay, we're going to prove this. Again, that by itself, we could just stop the study right there. <laughs> the Jewish day begins at Sunday, at sundown, of the previous evening. Therefore, our Wednesday night is the beginning of Thursday to the Jews. Passover is observed on the 14th day of the month of Nisan in the Jewish calendar, which falls in March or April. The Passover lamb is to be slaughtered late on the 14th day, the day of preparation. And the Passover meal eaten that evening, which would be the beginning of the 15th day. The entire 15th day is to be observed as a special Sabbath to the Lord, regardless of what day of week it might fall on. Furthermore, Jesus explains to his disciples why it is important for him to eat this particular Passover meal with them on the day of preparation. He said in Luke 22.15, And he said unto them, With desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The fulfillment is that Jesus himself would become the actual Passover lamb by going to the cross to shed his blood for our sins. Okay, easy enough. You can see the obvious uh, comparison, the obvious similarity. One commentator said, "The year the Lord died, the, uh, in the year the Lord died, the fourteenth of Nisan, the Passover feast, fell on Wednesday." Even evening at sundown and went to Thursday evening at sundown, which is the Jewish mode of reckoning a 24-hour day. In 1 Corinthians 5.7, Paul says that, quote, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. End of quote. The Passover lamb, the sacrificial lamb, which Jesus Christ emulated during his crucifixion and death, was sacrificed on Wednesday evening. And the Paschal Supper was eaten the same evening by our Lord and his apostles. Well, the evening before he was actually, obviously, sacrificed. Okay? Which would be part of the same day, though. Okay? Because remember, their Jewish day starts at sundown and goes to sundown. Okay? So. Okay. So, in order that Christ should become our Passover lamb, the lamb of God, he would die before sundown on... Um, well, the next day, meaning the, the day started with Wednesday evening, and then it went to the next Wednesday evening, or Thursday evening, obviously. Okay, He would die before Sunday the next day, which was Thursday. What's, what is hard when you look at this is they don't reckon days the same way we do in the Jewish calendar. Okay, It's from sundown to sundown. Okay, And that's where it gets a little bit confusing. But it's really not confusing if you just look at this logically, and say, oh, okay, you know, him being crucified um, and dying on Friday does not give us enough time to get into Sunday. Okay, so, he would die before Sunday, sundown, the next day, Thursday. And so he did shortly after 3 p.m. on Thursday. Um, Luke 23, 44 through 46, in which the hours of daylight are being expressed, and thus the ninth hour. Okay, so we're trying to verify exactly when he died on Thursday. So, the Lord was in the tomb a portion of Thursday, all day Friday, Saturday, which would, again, it's not our Saturday though, you have to reckon it from sundown to sundown, so, and then a portion of Sunday, he was also. 
thus fulfilling his prophecy that he would be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Okay, that was a prophecy that had to be fulfilled. If he was um, crucified and died on Friday, there's no way we can get three days to Sunday. That by itself, you know, it couldn't happen on Friday. But again, anything the Catholic Church tends to give us, and I primarily blame the Catholic Church on this, you know it's going to be corrupted, you know. Now, the Bible clearly establishes the Sabbath as the last day of the week. This is, this is also, this is like the final nail in the coffin here. Okay, that was probably a really bad pun, but I mean, it wasn't really even a pun, it was actually accidental. Anyway, the Bible clearly establishes the Sabbath as the last day of the week. Okay, and Sunday as the first day of the week. Now, I did a teaching on this when I compared Sabbath to Sunday worship, okay? And you can key in Sunday or Sabbath in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com regarding that whole argument that that the Hebrew roots people and the Seventh-day Adventists and other various cults want to shove down our throats. Anyway, the Jewish Sabbath begins on Friday at Sunday, at sunset. And ends Saturday at sunset. Okay? Matthew 28 verse 1 says, Now, after the Sabbath, this was after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, this was Sunday. Okay, remember, the Sabbath ended sundown on Saturday. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. This is where Jesus Christ, the tomb that he'd been put in. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. Man, that must have been a sight. Whew. Wow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Yeah, it was, it was a sight for them too. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, <laughs> for he is risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he was lying. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. Now, what does this prove? That proves that he rose on the first day of the week. States it clearly, Matthew 28. Verse 1, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, the sun's coming up toward the first day of the week. And this is where the angel pointed out to them, look, he's risen. Okay, This is the only way we can get three days and three nights. It's, it's the only way. So anyway, if you want to see a more detailed breakdown of the timeline, I give you a link here. It uh, looked pretty good as far as the detailed chronology of every, like it, it breaks things down into half days even on this to, to actually get the timeline a little bit better. But this is just one more thing we've been deluded and deceived about regarding tradition. The tradition of men has made the word of God of none effect. It's just another great example. Everything surrounding Ishtar and Lent and Mardi Gras and all this stuff, it's all wicked and evil, pretty much. You know, I'm not saying the Passover's evil or anything like that, but... The Passover has really nothing to do with this, with Ishtar and pagan holidays. That's a whole other deal. I don't want to, I'm going to keep them separate. So that's all we have for today. 
And uh, we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time, this day you've given us. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy. I thank you for letting us come together again, once again, to um, look at these end-time subjects and truths. And Lord, hopefully we've interjected a lot of the word of God um, to keep perspective on things. I do pray that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. I do pray, God, you use the body of Christ, that you protect them and use them mightily for your glory. Uh, my listeners, this ministry, wherever your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, uh, that you use them mightily for your glory, that through them you would lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I do pray, God, that you would fight against wickedness, Lord, the wickedness that we've just went over today and so many other studies, Lord, that you would hedge the wicked's way up with thorns, Lord, that they would not be able to prosper. If it be possible, I pray their souls be saved, Lord. But if not, that you would deal with them, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of your doing, that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in you, and all the upright in heart would glory. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.